Hello there! Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Today it is regular episode 65 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. I just said that twice. Um, today we are watching and talking about Secret Weapons, A Sunny Day in the Void, Missing in Action, and Point of No Return for our Clone Wars rewatch. I'm Jacob. I'm Eli. And as always, let's get into it. Let's get into this. In Secret Weapons, we are introduced to Colonel Mieber Gaskin. He is tiny, but he has a big ego. We are also introduced to the hilarious and very awkward WAC-47. Now, um, these guys, along with some droids, they are assembled by Mace Windu to achieve a, a decryption chip from a Separatist uh, ship. Um, so the the episode, you know, it, it pretty much, from there it plays out pretty predictably, but um, it's pretty cool. You know, they, they go on the ship, um, hijinks ensue, all the droids have been fitted, except for Whack, they've been fitted with some kind of special upgrade, so they, you know, cause some, cause some carnage on the Separatist ship. Well, technically, BZ doesn't get anything upgraded, but we'll get to that oh, later. Yeah, technically. Sorry, my bad, my bad. We'll get to that, though. And, you know, they eventually they, they make off with this uh, encryption chip after a lot of, uh, a lot of quick thinking um, and, uh, and robotic hijinks. So, yeah. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. Um, our fortune cookie for this episode is humility is the only defense against humiliation. I mean, yeah. Like, it's a it's a cool wordplay trick. We get it. You guys are smart with words. Yeah. You know what I mean. I mean, I mean, honestly, this could be and maybe should be, in my opinion, the fortune cookie for all four episodes for this whole quadrilogy, because it's real. This whole thing is really just Mieber Gaskin metaphorically face planting, or metaphorically like stepping on a rake over and over again, because he's just. He, he his heart is in the right place, but he is so he really, egocentric. He is, yeah. he is really full of it. He is yeah. really full of it in these episodes. Uh, no kidding. I, I would actually agree with also, I was looking ahead to the point of no return for to Cookie. I think both can be summarizing the entire arc. But yeah, um, you know, there's that line in the Rise of Skywalker that everybody always ignores that I think should be focused on more. There's that line that Leia tells Ray, never underestimate a droid. There's this a reoccurring theme in Star Wars that the people who you always think are going to have the least impact in the story always have the most impact in the story. Yeah. It's a Star Wars classic, and this is just this is just that. There's that line um, uh, that Gascon says at the end of this episode. Funny thing about droids, the last thing they'd expect to betray them, other droids. Yeah. You know, they're hiding in plain sight this entire time. And, like, the funnier part is, like, you know, like, the in Missing in Action, they're, like, uh, they're trying to sneak past those battle droids, and they're, like, well, we can't just sneak past them. They'll recognize us uh, because they scanned us on board uh, their ship. And they don't recognize them immediately, which is weird. But then you got to remember the power of D-Squad is that nobody, like, they could literally be any droid. Like, they're not a very, dis other than Gascon, they're not very distinctive. They're just a bunch of astromechs. So, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, like I said, yeah, this whole this whole arc is just Gascon learning to um, not discount droids. You know, learning yeah. to trust his uh, his teammates in this this crazy endeavor. Yeah, that he gets sent on. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about this. When asked what his favorite arc of the Clone Wars was at a convention, George Lucas replied that the D Squad arc is his favorite arc of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. I took a lot of time in my notes for these things, trying to figure out why. And that's one of the reasons. Lucas loves his underdog story. That's what he loves. He loves the underdog story. He certainly does. Um, also, you'll see later that the plot of the second episode, A Sunny Day in the Void, is very similar to Lucas's first film ever made, um, which is called THX 1138 4EB Electronic Labyrinth, which you will see... 1138 pop up a lot in Star Wars as a reference to that. And of course, the sound system that Star Wars was made on is THX. the THX sound system. So um, it's a huge influence and we and it's it's very it, it's 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 fitting for this arc. Um, well, I actually yeah, I actually found out also um, during my research uh, for this for this episode today. Um, shout out to, to Star Wars Explained because I got this from them. Absolutely. Lucas said that his um, Lucas said that he he liked a sunny day in the void the most because that the whole desert thing was like part of the part of the movie where they were they were in a prison that was just all white and they were just wandering around in there for like twenty minutes. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, this whole this whole arc does kind of feel, um, especially the uh, the two episodes in the middle of sun, especially in sunny day in the void and missing in action. The whole thing kind of feels like a like a George Lucas fever dream, or it kind of feels like he were, he was like just writing the entire thing down when he was like super high after like getting teeth pulled at the dentist or something. Like it, it's so just there's some there's something about this arc that is just I, I don't know because if it, if wow. that's George Lucas high, then I never want to see him sober again because I love those two episodes <laughs> to death. Um. My thing is, I don't know if you got this thing. You know, Star Wars has always been described as what genre is it? Fantasy. Science fantasy. Science fantasy, yeah. Mixed between science fiction and science fantasy. Sometimes I would say like the Mortis arc, it goes very fantasy. The Mortis arc is complete fantasy. Yeah. I would argue that this arc is complete sci-fi. What do you think makes, what would you say makes this more sci-fi? I don't know. The... Opening chase, I know this is cutting ahead a little bit, but the opening uh, pulling out of hyperspace to intercept with the comets in the very beginning of A Sunny Day in the Void felt right out of a science fiction movie. Um, the crash landing on Abafar, the stranded on a remote planet, the, you know, there's no, as what uh, what Ken Knapsack calls the sort and sorcery part of Star Wars, there's no mystical elements of it, there's practically no jedi except for the very beginning of secret weapons and the very end of point of no return yeah it's There's all no robots story. it's all robots the enemies are pretty much all robots um like and the mo other thing that really convinces me is gascon gascon is a zilkin which sounds like an alien from a sci-fi novel from the <laughs> 1940s he also looks like an alien from a sci-fi novel from the 1940s. You know, the little green men, as they're called. Yeah, he, um, he does have that, that look about him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, like... And, and, of course, you know, Star Wars has many other roots other than sci-fi and fantasy. 
you know, we saw in Visions. Visions is the, um, you know, the samurai Japanese influence part. And of course, those are important. And, you know, Mandalorian influenced the Western part and all that kind of stuff. But undoubtedly, science fiction, you know, your Star Treks of the world, your, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff, your Flash Gordons, it was very influential in Star Wars. And I feel like we see a lot of that here. Um, and you'd think, because I love the fantasy side of Star Wars, you'd think I hate this arc because it has almost none of that. I actually really love it for reasons I'll detail um, later. I don't know. That was just me. Um, yeah. That make, that makes sense, I guess. I, I, can see your, I can see your point. Now, personally, I didn't see as much of the sci-fi side, I guess, in my in my experience of, of re-watching it. But yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess to get into the plot of the episode, you know, Mieber Gaskin, he definitely... He definitely makes a, a strong impression. Absolutely. Star, obviously. I mean, he, but that's pretty much what you get all along. Like, there's, there's honestly not that much change for him. I felt, I feel, beginning to end. Oh, I feel like there's a lot of change. For really? Him. Yeah, because he's way more compassionate in the end. It, it feels like he's way more. He's still got that sense of grandeur to him, of course. But he's way more, he cares about his squad. You know, that eulogy he gives for BZ and Point of No Return would have never happened in the beginning. Yeah, okay, that's true. That's a good point. So there is, I think, yeah, yeah. there is some of that. I will say... Um, I, I guess I would have liked to see kind of maybe his, him work on his ego yeah, a no, little bit or something. Absolutely. But, but there are also stuff, you know, like, I think Star Wars excels at this actually. There is a certain part where the where there's character development, but like, you still have to maintain a little bit of the character from before. Here's what I mean. Yeah. Like, when Kylo turns back into Ben Solo in The Rise of Skywalker, this is a really weird example, but you hear a an inverted version of Kylo Ren's theme become Ben Solo's theme. Yeah. Kylo Ren's and Ben Solo's theme are very similar because Kylo Ren and Ben Solo are very similar people. They're still not the same person. Ben's changed yeah. after he got but redeemed. Okay. But, like... There's still a bit of Kylo in him because you know you you can't deny the truth that is your past. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Identical. That, that, uh... I, and I feel like like completely redeeming him, I guess, like completely solving his problems would like take away, I guess, from his character in general. That's just my opinion. But uh, speaking of Gascon, actually, you know who voices Gascon? I found out. I did not find that out. Who is it? It's it's your boy Stevie Stance, Stephen Stanton. He kills it. Stephen Stanton kills it as Gascon. I feel like. Yeah, no, he does a um, a great definitely and, is and a I think kind ben, of very unique character. Yeah, and I think Ben Diskin also kills it as Wack Forty Seven. Oh yeah. Um, uh, my favorite part of that first episode, I gotta say, is every time I didn't write this out in my notes, I just chuckled every time this happened. Okay, Captain Colonel. Yeah, I mean. I mean, that's kind of the perfect, the, the Colonel-Captain thing is the, the perfect encapsulation of those two characters. Yeah. Where you have Wack 47 you know, trying his best, but he's a, he's a bit of a, a goof and he, he makes some silly mistakes, you know, Captain-Colonel. Um, and then on the other side of that, you have Mieber Gascon, who... He's getting really, he's getting very upset over something that is pretty inconsequential. 
because it reflects on his own status and it 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 is a jab at his ego and that's the one thing that he's that's kind of the one thing that he's motivated the most by i would say in this arc you know he's constantly saying like if we pull this off we'll be heroes like i have to get back in time for my in time for my promotion, promotion to brigadier yeah, like it's all about for him it's it's all about his image and it's all about keeping up with his his image 100 and remember there's that line i love this line and i was gonna break this down later um we'll come out of this looking like heroes yeah looking why like like, why are you looking like heroes not being heroes because he he doesn't even care about being a hero even if he he thinks i think deep down subconsciously the most important thing to him at least at the beginning of the story while he is clearly like dedicated to the mission like he wants the glory he wants he he just he's tired of being a map reader basically and he wants he wants the glory and he by the way that reveal it. i know we're jumping ahead to this that reveal was so incredibly well done yeah was, you was, are a map reader well you know i'm in tactical analysis so you are a map reader yeah, it was so good. funny i love that um uh you want to get to the uh the, the, the like what i call the mission impossible part of this episode where the they upgrades. do they all do all those upgrades and i feel like they should have gotten them the masks from Mission Impossible. That, <laughs> yeah. Like, the, yeah. like, like, imagine if they're just battle droids and they're and they're like, um, like a Mission Impossible thing. Imagine they're the masks to make them look like battle droids, and then they rip it off, and they're just the droids. Yeah. So, uh, to be honest, this part of the episode, um, with the um, the upgrades, um, it kind of this is probably one of the lowest points for me really of the entire uh of the entire arc yeah yeah it's not particularly bad it just it kind of made me i felt like i was kind of rolling my eyes when i was watching it like to me the idea of each one of them having like ooh, one upgrade one special talent thing it's like oh very um if it felt a little bit too kind of video game-ish that's fair like why not just like give them what they need try and deck them out a little more also, the doctor dude. Dr. Goobacher. Dr. Goobacher. I just thought that was a little bit overblown. It was, you, he was a little overblown, a little more than necessary. Like, yeah, we get it. Like, you're sadistic and you like to, like, do torture surgery on droids and whatever. Like, just cool it with the voice, man. Like, you're not, o- you're not O.C. Sobek. You're not, a, you're not you're Nicole Vindy. You're not that guy, pal. You're not, you're not that guy. You're not the, the, the you're not the guy who says yes twenty times in a row. Yes, yeah, no, it kind of reminded me of Nuvo Vindy, and like it, it felt super, kind of, it just felt a little bit bl- too yeah. too. Uh, I don't agree with you, but I see where you're yeah, coming. But from. I feel like for me, for me, I'd probably say it was. It felt more out of place than than Nuvo Vindi. Because uh, Nuvo Vindi was like a main character in that episode. This yeah. guy's just in here for five minutes, and he's like, "Yeah, hey, they're they're they've decided to have the voice actor completely ham it up," which I don't yeah. quite understand. Yeah. The, uh... Now now you got O.C. Sobek stuck yeah. in my head. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed your reunion with your fellow Jedi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God, there's so there's so many goofy, but. I do love the, that moment where they re, re, um, where they take out BZ's memory banks. What do you like about it? It's one of those, like, it's a sadistic move. It is cruel. 
But it's just like, you know, you know that is like, I think this happened a lot in Harry Potter too, where um, there's like a professor who retires because he wants to spend time, uh, yeah. there's a professor who retires because he wants to spend time with his one and a half remaining limbs. Who who would that be? I don't know if I... I it it's a passing reference in Prisoner of Azkaban, but it oh. doesn't matter. But, like, just to imagine the image of that. Four limbs, one and a half remaining. Yeah. Mm. It's one of those cruel jokes that they just pass off without, like, any other further notice. Yeah. yeah. That I think just feels so quintessentially Star Wars. Um, I mean, it's kind of like Darth... I mean, it's kind of like Darth Vader after Mustafar. He, uh, except he had the for choice the fact to that, retire um, and... Spend some time with, with his, his one and a half remaining limbs, I guess. But you know, he chose no, to, uh... not his one and a half remaining limbs. Yeah, he didn't have any limbs left. Didn't he have? Didn't he have a one? Didn't the robot was the robot arm not the arm that got chopped off? Did he? Did he not have yeah. a? Did he not have a? I, still, I, did he not still? Have I a think biological he got hand? all of his limbs chopped off on Mustafar. So he didn't have a biological hand ever. There, no. Oh, interesting. I could I'm ninety nine percent sure, okay. but I could be wrong. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, we digress. I yeah, digress. I'm going to get corrected by somebody. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, as is Star Wars fandom. Uh, yeah, but... Um, yeah, and then this is the other um, fun thing. So then they got on the mission, and then Wack, proving that he does not want to be just a pilot, sets the shuttle on a collision course with a Separatist Dreadnought. <laughs> Which is just objectively stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, come on. I mean, that is kind of... I think it's kind of funny because it, it is kind of, like, the problem with computers. It's like, computers do exactly what you tell them to do. Oh, wait. Computers do exactly, exactly what, what you tell them to. Do. Like, yeah. oh, you tell a, tell a robot you need to get the attention. Well, the robot's like, well, I got their attention, so I don't see the problem here. Yeah. So, um, I, know, I, I found I, that part funny. Personally. I, I I found it funny too, and I and I, I I would push back a little bit against the computer doing exactly what you told me to. Ironically, I think we're going to switch places in yeah. this because a sunny day in the void. I'm going to say this right now provides maybe the strongest case in any animated Star any Star Wars anything for droid sentience. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, I I gotta say, like I, I, you've very much been on the side of droid sentience, and I've very much been a questioner and a skeptic with that. Sunny Day in the Void is an interesting episode. It is an interesting episode just generally. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, what what else you got? What what do you next? What do you got next? Mm, I don't know. Do you want to move on to the uh, the infiltration scene? So um, I feel like that's where things start to get. Go right ahead. Start I guess it's not just one scene, but the whole sequence of them infiltrating. You know, yeah. I think this is one of the. Even though it is with with within the context of these droids plus this tiny guy, um, it, it is nice to get some action. I think, or I think the action is is uh, is pretty well done. I like the whole getting into the combat thing. You know, whack, starting starting to step up and kind of. Like, not just be a total goofball, even though Gascon clearly thinks he is. Um, but I think this this whole uh, sequence, you know, where his, um, which, which, which droid is his command center? The one he sits inside of? Uh, BZ. 
BZ, like even after BZ gets like after BZ gets fried, like he just he shows not he shows a severe in this part lack of compassion and a, a lot of arrogance. I think. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And also the way he just like doesn't want to get his hands dirty, even though he's ordering them around. I'm like, man, this is not like it definitely is a a big it definitely is a big contrast from the the lead from the front way that the the Jedi characters in the Clone Wars like to do things. I would say, um, but you know, there's some funny, funny moments. Like you know, he gives he's giving his huge speech about how the oh you droids you're not gonna derail me. I've waited my lifetime for this yeah. assignment. It's interesting yeah. also that he says like a bunch of droids aren't gonna get in my way, as if the droids are his adversaries instead of his, his allies. His allies, yeah, which yeah. I think is very telling. It is. It's very and telling about his character. It is, and um. Yeah, there's there's that line again. I'm gonna refer back to Potter again. Apparently, this is a very cross franchise because I've already mentioned Potter and, and Mission Impossible. But there's a line that Sirius Black says: "If you want to take the measure of a man, look at how he treats his inferiors." Um, and I and I think that that's very telling. You know, they're all inferior to Gaston, and in Secret Weapons, absolutely, uh, he treats them like shit. Yeah. And I would argue also in Sunny Day Boy, he treats them like shit. But look what happens at the very end of Sunny Day in the Void. He promotes Whack to Corporal. And then in Missing in Action, they're a unified front. And then in Point of No Return, they're also a unified front. I mean, obviously you do start to see him kind of kind of develop in that uh in that regard for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh anyway. Uh so they get so they infiltrate the C deck, of course. I do want to point out that Whack distracts the battle droids by humming the cantina theme. That is pretty funny. And I want to know where he, where he knew that, especially because of a reference that he made to um, R2 in Missing in Action, um, which we'll get to later, which I actually kind of called in my notes. Maybe, uh, he, was a, maybe he was a pit droid in The Phantom Menace. No, I'm no. going to say, I'm going to reject really? that because in... Missing in action, he says he's never been to Tatooine. Oh, interesting. Um, maybe he was. Maybe he was on another planet where the uh, the modal nodes were on tour. Yeah, maybe. I, that's what I'm going with. Maybe, actually, maybe was, they were just playing a really popular yeah. song. Uh, it was. It was funny because I actually said in Sunday in the Void my notes for it. Oh, Abafar's kind of like Tatooine. I wonder if when Archie <laughs> was on Tatooine in A New Hope, um, uh, he was like, "Oh, it's just like Abafar again." Um, just wandering around in the middle of nowhere. And then in the beginning of Missing in Action, uh, Wax says something to R2 like, Oh, I, if you say it's like Tatooine, I'm like, I called that! I, call, I called that! I called him saying that. Yeah. I'm very impressed with myself. So we meet our second super tactical droid of this series, which I thought was named Kraken, that's actually in the Clovis arc. His name is Otto. Auto. A U T dash O. Auto. Auto. Huh. Yeah. Very nice pun, Star Wars. Nice pun. Yes. Well done. <laughs> uh, very, very done. Very well done. By the way, um, golf. Clap. You know what? You, golf. Clap it up. You know what the name of the super tactical droid in Point of No Return is? Point of No Return. Oh gosh, there's another one. Yeah. Remember, because they kill the one. Oh yeah. I mean, the only one I know is is Kalani. That's yeah. The only one I know. This is Auto, and the other one. You know it? No. I don't either. They haven't named it. I looked it up. They did not name unnamed super tactical droid. Unnamed super tactical droid. Okay, they just then. decided not to. They're just like nah. 
I'm like, come on, Star Wars, name your freaking characters. You do it 98% of the time anyway. Um. I mean, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about this this part of the episode? Um, it's really cool. The zero gravity is awesome. Absolutely. R2-D2 is awesome. It's absolutely savage the way when the gravity comes back on, he just cuts off himself, his head. He just lets himself fall. And then while falling, he just completely crushes the, the super. He cuts off his head. Yeah. I mean, like, that's savage, man. That's, that's like, that's freaking savage. You know I'm telling I mean? you, R2-D2, man. R2-D2 is a freaking savage. He is. He is. Uh, he, he is going off. Yeah, in this episode, go off, brother. Go, bro- go off, brother. Um, let's see. But I think one of one of the best lines is when they're fleeing the ship, and they're trying to get back to their shuttle, and uh, and um, they're stopped by some battle droids. But then one of the battle droids says, "Out of my way, you stupid astromex." Yeah, like that's just the perfect line. Like it is. If that's and, not the fortune cookie, yeah. If that's not the lesson here, like put into. Like if if that's not them saying, "Hey, listen, listen, listen to what we're saying," I don't know what is. And then the like, line after that, which I mentioned earlier, funny thing about droids: the last thing they expect to betray them, other droids. Which is like another level of irony, considering that it's coming from Meeper Gaskin, who doesn't really suspect any kind of usefulness at all out of droids, and and yeah. seems to have but, more contempt. But, for but them. then again, I think he's growing as a character. He is growing as a character, but still, it's yeah. like. So I did, I did, uh, I did dig up some trivia from trivia galleries, Wikipedia, etc. Some trivia for this episode, which I found. So there is a droid in here named QTKT. Ah, uh, yes, belong to Ala Sakura. Not to be, not to be confused with, with R2KT, R2-K-T. who's the droid named after the girl Katie, who sadly passed away from brain cancer, and that droid was was named in Katie Johnson's honor. Yes. No, QTKT actually was created with R2KT in mind, but they said they didn't want to have two droids that started with R2 since R2D2 was already there. So, I mean, they may have made it worse. Lucasfilm may have made it worse for themselves because now they're running around out here with R2KT and QTKT, both of which are gray and pink. So you go figure that one. Yeah, my only plot is... Why don't you just retcon R2KT into being QTKT? Or better yet, just have it be R2KT and just refer just refer just refer to R2KT as KT or something. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. It seemed it would be a nice. It was a be, it would be a nice way to bring yeah. in. I'm. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to head in the drive. retcon in so that it's QTKT yeah. in the other episode too. Yeah. Um. Now the now another interesting thing I found out super obscure. The Swarm Mines. Yes. The Swarm Mine animation asset is actually very similar to. It, it was based on the vocal emulator asset from when Obi Wan went undercover as as Reiko Hardin. He had to swallow that little. Oh, little the, robot the robot bug. Which I think I think that's just hilarious. A great example of how you know, like if you look closely, they're constantly you know reusing reusing models. reusing this and that. Um, just to just to keep costs down and, and make make basically make the show viable to create <laughs> because yeah no also I'm... and i think i think there's got to be some kind of cosmic significance here but i can't i can't figure out what meber gaskin his design is based on early unused concept art for jar jar binks makes sense 
It does make sense if you think about it. Makes sense. The floppy eyes? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, let's get on to A Sunny Day in the Void. All right, Sunny Day in the Void. A Sunny Day in the Void is a crazy episode of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Um, they, uh, so they get in the shuttle after stealing the encryption module. They jump to hyperspace. Then they realize something's going wrong. They have to exit hyperspace, and they collide into many comets before crash landing on the planet of Abafar. Uh, they see nothing around them, uh, and the technical information that the droids get on Abafar is only that they're in a part of Abafar called the Void. They wander around the Void for a long time, finding a dead body in another ship, until eventually um, R2 and the rest of the Astromechs part ways from Gascon and Wack to split up. Um, Gascon and Wack have a bunch of philosophical conversations about sentience and death and many other philosophical things until eventually they find a flock of running birds um, and they hop on the running birds and they take them to the nearest city where they catch up with R2 and the other mechs um, and the other astromechs. That's the episode. The fortune cookie is when all seems hopeless a true hero gives hope. I guess the true hero here is whack then. I, I think so. And, like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking Leia, Last Jedi, Hope is Like the Sun. If you only believe it when you see it, you'll never make it through the night. Um, you know, fake it till you make it sort of thing. Um, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great one. Um, you want to uh, start us off uh, when they get interrupted by the comets? I mean, for um, me, I think the, the comet scene... You know, I had to I had to pause and take some screenshots because the, I I thought it first off I'm a sucker for the the big you know kind of wide sweeping panoramas of the animated shows, um, specifically Rebels and Clone Wars. So I thought this was just visually one of the most spectacular and stunning moments. That one shot when they come out of hyperspace and boom, they're just surrounded by the giant ice comets. Um, I think it's a cool scene. Um. Uh, definitely a little bit i don't know i don't know what's maybe it feels just a tad far-fetched oh i i i tethering but it's a really cool thing you know seeing the droids kind of put themselves in danger maybe go against their programming a little bit in order to uh to help one another which i think going back to your point probably adds to the case for uh for for droid sentience yeah I um I I love the scene. Um I love that it's natural um occurrences that might like cuz if you think about it, you know, the Star Wars galaxy is a dangerous place, but one of the biggest dangers in my that I'm convinced of in the Star Wars galaxy is space travel. And they don't often talk about that because you know, you're trying not to get killed by the Sith or bounty hunters or crime lords or anything of that. But just traveling through space, you know, there's that line that Han says to Luke in New Hope. You could uh, get too close to a star, bounce off a supernova, and then that'll end your trip real quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when do we actually see that? Almost never. Maybe, okay, I'll give you the asteroid field in Empire. But, like, that's it. Um, and I love that, like, you know, they just went on a dangerous mission in the Separatists, uh, against the Separatists, and then the one thing that might destroy uh, their mission is comets. Yeah. 
Like, it's so weird, and yet it's so cool. Um, yeah. Uh, absolutely. You want to get on to Avafar? Sorry, all the stuff I have for this episode is on Avafar. Yeah, I didn't really have... There's not really a lot, I feel like, to, to really dig into. So, yeah, yeah on to... Uh, Onto onto Abafar we go. I think this on Abafar. I think this is really where Gascon just gets absolutely humiliated. The by void his sequence in of this episode, all the time they spend in the void, may be my favorite part of this entire arc. Really? Yeah, it is so interesting and weird and out there, and I love it so much. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. What yeah. Do you wanna, uh, what do you want to focus on first? So, first of all, I gotta say, and I'm not, and I'm not that like visual, artistically fluid, my, fluent myself. But this episode is beautiful. Avatar oh, yeah. is beautiful. The way they play with the scale, this feels like I don't know if this is like this uh, for you. This feels like for me the biggest and the smallest episode of the Clone Wars. You get the vastness of this planet, but then there are these small droids just wandering yeah. around. You get this like peculiar white rocky ground, but then this weird orange sky. It's they make for some of the most beautiful shots I think in the show. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I I, I think it's super cool because in a way, I think the fact that they're in the void. Ooh, I think the way that they're in the void, it just kind of creates almost a, a blank canvas. A blank canvas um, for, for us to just see um, Mimir Gaskin's, his, his self-reflection, him just kind of breaking down as a person. And then kind of, I would argue, this probably is where that paradigm shift for him happens of, of giving more respect to the droids i think even if he doesn't show it you know i think his experiences with whack is that's really what uh yeah what probably uh sets it off yeah um i i don't know it's it's one of those things for me it's like you know you know it comes back to ego again because you know they they are on this huge planet and they're small individuals you know gascon can see this wide expanse around him and it gets him to wonder how big he really is like how important he really is it's it's beautiful i i love it so much um uh and then they start talking and when they start talking that's the beauty of this episode <laughs> so yeah They talk about the difference between organics and droids. Yeah. And Gascon argues that he is better than the droids because why? Because he has training and the droids have programming. That's the whole thing. Training, programming. And are those the same thing? I mean, Wack kind of disproves him. And, and, yeah. and I think also whether or not they are the same thing, it kind of, the episode kind of makes a point about how I think I think the real world lesson here is like people are are kind of treated by ro like robots 
a yeah. lot of the time, you know. One of the things trying to trying to be programmed, you know. One of the things I most appreciate about this episode, specifically in this arc, I mentioned this when we were talking about Mortis. This arc I feel like is so incredibly subjective. Like, especially Sunny Day in the Void. Sunny Day in the Void is such a subjective episode. Hmm. You know, um Alden Diaz loves to mention from Empire Strikes Back, he defended this on uh the stream a few weeks ago with me. Uh the cave scene from Empire. What's in there? Only what you take with you. It's the idea that, like, you know, you... The goal of this episode is not to convince you of anything. It's not trying to convince you of a point. It's not trying to... tell you what to think. It's not trying to guide you to what to think. It's simply presenting a thesis. It's presenting some ideas. And then asks you to make up your mind about what you think. Mm, yeah. I, I think that is a good that is a good point about this episode. And and it's 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 one of those things where it's like, you know I, I have my opinions of course and like, you know, there's that whole like one of the things this covers is what makes us human. Yeah. What makes us alive. Yeah. And you know, it, this has been covered in other science fiction. I'm thinking Blade Runner, where, you know, there are these humans, and then there's, there are these replicants, which are made out of organic material, but are not human. Except for maybe they are, and we don't know, and the entire movie is about trying to figure out what the differences between humans and replicants are. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it definitely kind of, I think, leaves it up for interpretation, you know. You can take away what you want to take away, but also, like the like the moment of Mieber kind of fighting or arguing about programming versus yeah, um, programming versus uh versus training. You know, there are a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge moments. Yeah, that the show kind of kind of gives me when A I when I was watching it. Absolutely, and then there's that line later um, when Wax says to Gascon, "I was thinking." He says back, I don't want you to think. Thinking is my job. Yeah. Which is weird. That's the ultimate arrogance. No, which is my, weird my because he just said that droids are programmed. And one of the ramifications that he said was that droids cannot think outside their programs. And yet he just told the droid not to think out of his side of his program, which means that somehow he does believe they can do that despite stating otherwise because he's starting to come around to the truth. Yeah. Either way, um... Uh, I'm pretty sure this is from this is uh you know um you know Beauty and the Beast that well? Mm, not really. Lavu, I'm afraid I've been thinking a dangerous pastime. I know it's like very similar to this. <laughs> um. Uh. Anyway, that's what just what I thought. Um. But yeah, it's 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 a weird one, and it's like I was gonna bring this up to you. So, you've always been a big supporter of droid sentience. I have. Battle Droid Society. Yeah. And dro just droids in general. Yeah, I think it's... And... I, th I just think it's really interesting in Star Wars how they've kind of... They're made to be people, but also not. Because of their, like, their, the programming. Obviously, they all say, like, oh, no, this goes against my programming. But it never really seems to be that binding. So yeah. the programming, it seems more like guidelines than anything else, which I think is interesting. Yeah, like, this is definitely, like, the biggest, the strongest evidence, because 
you know, Lack can and does, and R2 can and does, think for themselves. I mean, R2 straight up runs off with that encryption module. Yeah. And he and the other druids are gone. Like, that's not programming. They're just deciding to do that. Yeah, who would program a droid to... Yeah. Who would program a droid to disobey their director? Yeah, and, and there's, there's a... There's a um, uh, Gascon says to Black, I can't believe I'm forced to justify my existence with a droid. Yeah. It, it's... Which is weird because he kind of... I think that's another example of, of Gascon's lack of humility because the entire the entire um, arc, he kind of takes issue with the very existence of droids or at least the existence of droids as entities that have use or c- that can have intrinsic value. Um, did you catch, uh, do you want to go on to when they find the other ship? Oh uh, yeah, let's do it. I think that's a So really did you catch the Easter egg point. in that other ship? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, so I you know they found the skeleton in this ship, right? Yes. Who's the skeleton of? It's I of Star Wars Legends fan favorite character, Jackson. Really? Yeah. The, the, the lime green bunny. Yes, the bunny rabbit. <laughs> of course it's the um, bunny. Of course it's Jackson. Jackson has more officially been brought into canon alive. Um, or like, actually it's not Jackson, sorry. It's not Jackson, it's Jackson's species. That's what it is. Jackson's species was brought into canon by this episode. Yeah, that's that's pretty. That's a pretty cool. Jackson himself is actually alive in the original trilogy era, and he was brought in by Star Wars author extraordinaire and um, Jackson superfan Kevin Scott. Um, brought him in officially into canon. So yeah, Jackson is canon. Everyone. Um, hey, if any of you are coming here uh, from the Bombad Cast's trivia stream, first of all, welcome to Star Wars in the Galaxy. We're so glad to have you. Uh, and second of all. Um, I hosted a trivia contest, um, and one of the categories I wrote for the trivia contest that did not end up being used was about the D-Squad arc, and Jackson was a question in that trivia category, because I was planning to promote In a Galaxy on the stream if they picked that category, which unfortunately they did not. Um, but yeah, if you have, by the way, quick plug, if you have not watched that match, go watch it. It's <laughs> so, it was so much fun being on the Bombad Cat, uh, reuniting with former In a Galaxy guest, Jared, the Dark Jedi. Hey, um, love Jared. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, though I'm pretty sure he's, uh, spoiler for the match, I'm pretty sure he's still pissed at me because of that five-pointer I gave him. Uh, oh, we lied. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I got technically knocked out. <laughs> uh yeah it, it's it's bad uh didn't mean to spoil it but yeah uh it's it's not good um uh do we want to get over to the yeah this is the like crazy thing so you remember when uh gascon gets on the highest part of the ship right yes climbs up climbs up and like scouts around and stuff yeah uh and he's, like, talking to people, um, and then Black says, I do not know who he's talking to. Maybe whoever programmed him. <laughs> I'm like, it's a throwaway line, but it's just so brilliant. Yeah, like him kind of pleading with 
his his god or creator or yeah maybe it's some destiny type of versus figure. free will like, over all over again you know and that is a very big nudge nudge yeah. Yeah. wink wink moment from the um from the from the episode i think yeah to get us thinking about these things you know because c3po he's always saying oh thank the maker oh thank, thank the, the maker yeah. so i mean yeah in a way it kind of all loops back around absolutely um yeah, it's it it's it's a it's a great one. Um, and then, uh, by the way, I'm gonna skip a little bit ahead here. Uh, when he sees the mirage, which is a common trope, um, you know, seeing something that's not yeah. there. Oh yeah. Did you catch Black saying that he should have jumped? <laughs> yes. I they did. made a suicide. Yeah, joke no, this in is a dark. Kids show. This gets kids show. I think kids show has to be a kids show heavily quotation mark. I mean, like, what the hell? I, I literally like, I, I, and I love this episode, but like, I gasped out loud. I'm like, Cartoon Network. I mean, what the hell, man? Yeah, I mean, is this before? When did Cartoon Network stop stop airing it? After this, this. oh, it was after, after this. this. This is this. Uh, it was uh, this. It was at the end of. It was after season five, and this is five. So yeah. Yeah. No, they aired that shit. I mean, I mean, like, what the hell? I like, you know, of course we've seen dismemberment and, you know, brain worms and all that kind of stuff, but this is a, uh, never mind, I should have, I should have never spoken. Remember in, um, what is it? It's the, um, the Mandalore plot. Yeah. There's a suicide in the Mandalore plot, isn't there? Yeah, there are. No, there is. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, it Seriously, though, it's a kid show! Yeah, they definitely go there. They go there. Arc, which which they surprises me, considering that on the surface, it's this is something that's interesting in this arc, and I think this is something that you've kind of figured out a little bit before me, is that even though on the surface it is goofy and it is a very weird, weird premise, especially Sunny Day in the Void, there really is a lot to think about, especially in regards to all these debates, you know, especially, you know, when it ends up being whack, the one saying, giving up is not in my programming. Is it in yours? And we you know, just cool moments. Cool moments like that. You know. Oh, absolutely. No, no. It, it, this is, it is one of the most philosophical um, episodes of The Clone Wars, like, ever. I don't think we're going to get to something as philosophical as this uh, one. Yeah, I want to get to one more quote from Gascon before the Flight of the Birds. Okay. Think about it. Life. Life is a void. We search and search for answers, but there are none. I mean, yeah, if you. It, that's it's certainly a, it's an outlook you can have. It's a deep philosophical question. I also think it's a meta joke, though. We the search void. and search for answers, but there are none. I think it's saying. You want us to tell you the answer to all of these philosophical questions? We're not going to tell it to you. We search yeah, and search for yeah. answers. You guys are keep asking us an for answers for these questions, but that's not the point of the questions. The point of the question is not the answer. The point of the question is the question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's something that this episode actually does pretty well for the Clone Wars, where a lot of the moral lessons, or a lot of the more, a lot of the 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 deeper the deeper themes that you can kind of extract whether they're meant to be there or whether you're just kind of freewheeling interpreting you know trying to find something 
I think this does a good job of surprisingly being less cut and dry than um than your average Clone Wars episode, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um you wanna get to the flight of the birds? Let's get to Flight of the Birds. Thought it's a it's a pretty cool scene. It's, I like that. It's like a crazy concept. scene. It comes out of absolutely nowhere. Um It's I, I what I love about it is it comes at the exact right time. They said everything they want to say philosophically, and they're done. Yeah. So they just move on. Um, one of my favorite things is, what does Gascon say in his, like, sort of Ben Franklin, key in a kite moment with this? You're going to have to, you're gonna have to the say. The birds so act on what? They act on instinct. instinct. It's not about training. It's not about programming. It's about instinct. instinct. Yeah. Which Sounds a little bit like to me, you know what it sounds like to me? Mm -hmm. What else do we know that you have to be in, in tune with your instincts for? The Force. That's right, the Force. <laughs> um, Even so when it's not about the Force, it it's about still the is force. about the Force. I can find a way to make anything about it. About Welcome this. to Star Wars. Yeah. I actually could not find a StarWars.com trivia gallery for this episode, somewhat inexplicably. I could not find it on the web. It doesn't need one. It's too um, good. It doesn't need one. In Missing in Action, they go to the Avatar City, the D-Squad, and they are kicked out of a diner by a Sullivan named Borkus. They later find one of his employees who is an amnesiac clone named Gregor. Um, they find Gregor and they uh, remind him of his past in which he was a clone commando who disappeared at the Battle of Sarish. Um, and, and they eventually find that the Separatists are invading Avatar to mine Rhydonium. Uh, by the way, Rhydonium, shout out to the Bombad cast and the Nerd Academy podcast. You both got that question wrong in no. the trivia stream. Uh but it wasn't in the category of the Clone Wars. It was actually from the Mandalorian. So, um, yeah, sorry, guys. Anyway, um, they find out the Separatists are mining the Rhydonium for a huge bomb. Um, and so they try to escape the planet. Uh, they steal a Separatist shuttle. Uh, and uh, But Gregor sacrifices himself uh, to get all of D-Squad onto that shuttle, seemingly dying, but, of course... What's what's the most famous phrase in the Rise of Skywalker trailer? No one's ever really gone. Exactly. I get once again. Welcome to Star Wars. Welcome to Star Wars, where nobody dies and stays dead. Nobody dies. We still haven't gotten unless, a good you, unless you don't have a name, unless you're yeah. an unnamed character, yeah. then we, you you are definitely yeah. dead. Yeah. We still don't, by the way, have an answer as to how Gregor survived that because we see him on the next chronological appearance is not in Rebels actually. It's on Daro in the Bad Batch, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. We just never get in, like, yeah. we're just like, yeah, Gregor's on Daro now. And we're like, wait, didn't he die? And then they're like, no, he didn't. Moving on. I guess he just, I guess yeah. he just somehow survived the, uh, the big massive, explosion. massive fiery explosion that engulfed the entire, the entire space. But then again, you know who also survived the massive fiery explosion? Who? Palpatine. True. That is true. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Forge Although and Cookie... Techni technically, he did some some weird uh, weird clone stuff. That's true. 
Yeah. That that put an image in my head that I'm not comfortable with. Some weird clone <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that was <laughs> I know it. that was not meant to be an innuendo. It sounded like an innuendo. Oh, is this like the the hiche? Palpatine got busy. Sort of, but like, but yeah. like I'm thinking like he did weird stuff with his body oh, and then with the oh. clones. <laughs> no, oh, oh man, okay, yeah. Okay. Too far, too far, too far. Well, it's all good though. Uh, the fortune cookie is a soldier's most powerful weapon is courage. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because Gregor is like you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of it feels a little self. Self-explanatory, yeah. It's one of, one of my things there. is, for this episode, I really wish we got got the word hero in the fortune cookie instead of soldier. Um, I wish we gotten the word hero somewhere in here. Um, because that's what this episode, this episode feels like a hero's journey in a lot of ways for Gregor. Um, to rediscover um, who he was and to rediscover, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting episode. Personally, I wasn't a huge, huge, uh, huge as huge of a fan of this one as I was of the others. Um, but I mean, it's cool, you know, Gregor. Um, it, it's like definitely surprising. I remember seeing that episode for the first time. You're like, wait, what? When the clone pops out, when Gregor first pops out, you're like, wait, what the heck? Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a cool it's a cool premise, but yeah. Doesn't really do it for me. Oh, I, I that's weird because this is I think it, it's it's one of my favorites of this one, honestly. Yeah. Um, that's but, good. It's just not really my yeah. Not 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 my top, not not my top, not my cup of tea. It, that's fine. Uh, by the way, let's talk about uh, Gascon eating garbage. That's rough. Buddy. Like it got gritty real quickly. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love that kind of. I don't like the whole like. I'm not a huge fan of the Rogue One kind of grit, but I like this kind of grit. You like the eating garbage kind of grit. I like the eating garbage kind of bit. <laughs> I mean, I think the diner scene could be another reflection of, of the 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 um, the pitfalls of having such a such self importance as Mieber does. Like, what would have happened if he had just walked in and politely asked uh, to buy some food instead of you know marching in? announcing himself being like i am meber gaskin and i'm in a hurry so i'll i'll just take some food thank you very much to be completely honest i think borkus is just an asshole i mean no borkus is totally an a-hole but like even borkus like they don't they don't get much business on abafar come on like like even borkus yeah yeah by the way or not how star wars of a name is Borkus. borkus yeah i love that name so much um uh it feels slightly por- Jack Porkins esque in the way yeah. it's, yeah. of course, being applied to a very overweight, like, almost almost a pig looking like species. And then there's a, a fun reference later on. Um, uh, they they find the lad landing pad, and Gascon says, "But there's no way in Malachor that I'm yeah. going to lead this pitiful squabble." Blah, blah, blah. So that is the first canon mention of the planet Malachor. Um, which substitutes the word hell in the phrase, there's no way in hell that blank. Um, we know in canon and legends, Malachor was turned into this hellish planet after the use of a super weapon in a large battle. In legends, this was in a battle between the Jedi and the Mandalorians. In canon, it was in a battle between the Jedi and the Sith. We don't know much about the canon, 
Um, we don't know much about the canon scenario, but we do know about like, Legends. Malachor V is first seen in the Star Wars video game Knights of the Old Republic 2. Uh, the ancient and renowned Jedi known as Revan used a super weapon called the Mass Shadow Generator to completely wipe out as many Jedi and Mandalorians who are fighting on the planet of Malachor V, thus ending the Mandalorian Wars. Um, by the way, fun coincidence, Revan in the KOTOR 1, which was his main game, what was his main problem? Nice. He got stricken with amnesia. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, you mean and, right at the beginning. Yeah, oh, and yes. Gregor was struck with amnesia. With amnesia. Hmm. Interesting reference, Gre I think. Gregor is Revan confirmed. Gregor this is not Revan. a scam. This is not a scam. This is not a scam. This is not a scam. By the way, uh, by the way, uh, hot take. Should I say it? I think I'm going to say it. I think you should say it? I'm going to say it. Gregor is a better character than Revan. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. I mean, there's a lot of people you think are better characters than Revan. Do yes, you know, I be, do. To be fair, I know you're like a big, not a Revan, you're a, you're a Revan, you're a Revan skeptic. I'm a Revan skeptic. I am definitely yeah. a Revan skeptic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, uh, this is a fun one. Um, when Gascon is describing what clone troopers are to Gregor, do you, did you catch the clone theme from, uh, that Kevin Kiner clone theme playing in the background? I did not, actually. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was playing softly in the background, like you said. Now that we've just been watching the Clone Wars, like, mo mo more weekend, definitely more weekends than not, I've been watching the Clone Wars now for probably, I think, over a year at this point. That is, that 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 little motif, that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then some drums or whatever like that is that has just been drilled into my skull yeah, yeah. at this point because that goes back to the very beginning of the clone Wars. yeah um but it was used really great here uh, yeah uh yeah um also i gotta say when uh gregor says the word clankers for the first time in the episode that was a magical moment yeah uh yes. it, like in him remembering his old self is so magical to see. It's also, it's very eerie, though. It's very eerie, I think, in yeah. the way he slowly remembers, just kind of peeling peeling back the layers. Because I think, in a way, it's also, it's it's kind of, it's it's kind of sad, you know, because he's realizing, wait, I've, I've, I'm coming from this, basically a lineage that was, that was created uh, to fight and to kill and to die. And and little else besides that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, it's a it's a cool, really yeah. cool moment. Um, the weird thing about this episode is I recently, so I'm doing a Rebels rewatch myself right now. Um, yeah, I recently watched the episode, uh, rewatched the episode, The Lost Commanders, Ooh. where we met Gregor for the first time after the Clone Wars. How so timely. watching what? How timely? Yeah. So right after watching that, I then watched Missing in Action. I get to see Gregor in two very different parts of his life, but yet there's he's searching for a purpose both times. Um, it's yeah, and then it reminds me of when he uh, spoiler died uh, in season four of Rebels, um, and when he was saying it's an honor to fight for something like that I chose to fight for. Yeah, and it's this yeah. nice little resolution of his arc across mm. the series. Um, yeah. No, I, I remember I tweeted this a few weeks ago. 
Um, I know Jacob's been saying this to me all along, and I know Meg <laughs> Dowell's been saying this, and I know Devore Mondo's been saying this, I know Laura and Allison Forstos have been saying this, and I know, you know, Alex and Molly Damon have been saying this. I know so many people have been saying this. I get it. Okay, guys, you can be quiet. You can stop getting me to try and say it. Rebels is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought otherwise. I'm just not as into it as some people are. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to get up to point of no return? Let's do it, yeah. I mean, obviously... Gregor, at the time, R.I.P. to a real one. R.I.P. to a real one. They, we haven't yeah. released that episode yet, but R.I.P. to yeah. a real one. But I mean, look, I mean, one one thing I should. We've been referenced. I referenced that with the boar on the stream. Yeah. I just text, I just <laughs> tweeted about it today. We've been foreshadowing that sucker. That's gonna be out next week. I can <laughs> say that now. You know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. One thing. One line. Yo, this really hit me this time. Gregor, Gregor said, I'll make my way home. He I mean, he wasn't lying. He wasn't lying when he said he'd make his way home. Once yeah. you can't take into account everything that happens in Bad Batch and Rebels. And, oh, that just that just hit me. That just hit yeah. me last time. And I think, I think, honestly, the fact that he... Honestly, the fact that, it, that he did end up making that come true, at least finding his way home in terms of, you know, coming back to some of his Republic comrades, that honestly makes it hit harder similar to Kanan when when he says uh we see we'll see each other again i promise to me that line like just like this gregor line they both gain so much more weight and and meaning once it's actually fulfilled against all odds yeah absolutely yeah one one piece of trivia for this the battle of serish which of course is the battle where gregor went missing got amnesia whatever it was was first depicted in the 2006 EU comic Routine Valor, which is actually the Star Wars title for Free Comic Book Day in 2006. That's very cool. Which makes it uh, pretty special. Now, I did not realize that uh, that Free Comic Book Day existed. Personally, I don't think that's a very good business model, but I don't know much about it, so... Publicity is... Yeah, yeah. I mean, pu- yeah, publicity, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to get on to... Uh, You want to get on to a uh, point of no return? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's get on to point of no return. Do the summary for us. So, in the point of no return, D Squad has been successful. Gascon and his merry band of droids have successfully taken the encryption chip. However, there is trouble afoot when they realize that the Republic cruiser which they were supposed to board and take back, is actually being held hostage, or rather has been hijacked by battle droids that are planning to fill it up with Rhydonium, or rather it is filled up with Rhydonium, and they're planning to fly it smack dab into the middle of a Republic strategy conference and take out as many Jedi and as many Republic ships and as many clones and as many high-ranking Republic officials and officers as they can at once. Of course, D-Squad, they have to stop this, and they are successful. Or, they are semi-successful in stopping this uh, this plot, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the fortune cookie is, you must trust in others 
or success is impossible. Now, I think this is an interesting... I think this is an interesting fortune cookie because it's one thing... It's, it's one thing, you know, to respect everyone else. Like, respect the droids. It's another thing to to really trust them. And I think that's the next step for Gaskin. And that's something that he gets to work on in this in this episode. You know? Absolutely. I mean, what do you, what do you think about it? I I I definitely do. Um, I I agree with that. You know, um, it, it they have to put aside Gascon and Black have to put aside their personal egos and their self importance for the good of you know completing the mission. Uh, it's it's you know it's one of those things that summarizes the entire arc. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. By the way, um. Did you notice the wordplay in the narration again? Uh, I'm not sure that I did. Our heroes finally appear to be headed in the right direction. Oh. Appear to be headed in the right direction. That's our first clue that something's not up. Um, Wack has a bad feeling about this, which is our second clue. Droid society, droid sentience, come on. He has uh, a feeling. Bad feeling about this. Yeah, there's uh, a bad feeling. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about this trap. This is crazy. This to me, this is my favorite episode of the of the bunch, just because oh, of how really? cool. Oh, really? This is my least favorite episode of the bunch. I just love the intrigue, and you know, like as I've said many times before, these episodes where you peel, peel back, back the, the layers. layers of the mystery, <laughs> peel back, yeah, peel back the layers one by one. I really like that. It's just so chilling the first moment when he puts the the chip down. It just goes bloop through the hand of the hologram. Hey, everybody. I'm going to have the Peel Back the Layers shirt up <laughs> on the In a Galaxy website by the end of the day. Peel Back the Layers. That's like my new... Those are my, those are my things that I, I, can't, I can't ever seem to stop talking about. The fall of the Jedi and yeah. peeling back the layers. Yes. Yeah. No, no kidding. Um, nah, I, and then I get flack for stuff like, you know, like... Ochi. Ochi, yeah. I was gonna say. Ochi. My boy. My I mean, baby. look, you go back, you and Ochi, you and Ochi go way back. Yeah. I also, I think I've, and no offense, I think I've been the main uh, perpetrator of the Wazelle thing. Yes, you, you, this is definitely your, it's definitely uh, uh, something that you've, uh, <laughs> you've been pushing. Yeah. Um, although, uh, actually, my, uh, my, my five-year-old, uh, my five-year-old cousin um, asked me the other day if I knew who uh, Zam Wessel was. So he is being raised right because he didn't yeah, damn straight, Wazelle. man, damn straight, damn so straight. Youth, get wrecked. The youth are on our the side. Youth, the youths are on our side. The we old have the, ones we have are the on youths. our side. The, the young and old, you know, young and old, you know, every everyone, everyone everyone's every, on our side. Every everyone gender, knows it's every race, except for you, Devor. You know, <laughs> you know who you are, except for because I, I just told you. Oh, and Lauren Romo, by the way, Lauren uh, sided with him. Uh, Ooh, awkward. So, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's like two versus it's like two, two versus, versus the world. Two versus we can just assume every yeah. person. In the uh, world. I don't. I don't even think. I, I. I keep meaning to. I think. I think Meg said Wessel too, which is funny. In and of it. Yeah. So. Point of no return. Where do we Where do we jump in? Yeah. Um, with uh, with this episode, uh, I don't have a ton to say about it. Other than that, I yeah. I really liked it. I I love this episode. Turning the entire Republic Star Destroyer into a bomb 
and displaying a hologram of fake clone troopers is really ingenious. It's very elaborate. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it's I'm like, really? This is what they're actually doing? And like, like if you look, here's the thing. If you know where the Republic Strategy Conference is, why not just drop a bunch of Separatist warships out of hyperspace and go ham before they know what hit them? Good point. I, I, I think they want a more subtle approach. Yeah. My question is, how the hell did the Republic manage to let the, the site of their key military conference leak to the Separatists? They were, uh, they were really caught with their pants oh, down. Oh wait, I just realized how that, that probably one. happened. Palpatine. They no, because gave it away. He sold. Because that wouldn't make sense. Because he like Anakin was there, and he wouldn't want Anakin to. Yeah, the Republic just sucks. No, no. You think the Republic just sucks? I think the Republic just sucks at their jobs. You, you think you think Palpatine? I don't think Palpatine. I could see Palpatine just being like, "Yeah, it's Anakin. Of course he'll survive." I don't know. That's a pretty big risk for somebody like yeah. Palpatine to take. Yeah, I mean, even with the even with his even with the power of the Force and like a bajillion midichlorians, it's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to overcome a, a oh, giant explosion that's trying no to vaporize No one, Anakin you. nor Obi Wan, are right there, and they don't detect the bomb before it goes off. Yeah, like you think Jedi of their stature and power would be able to detect something like that, but they don't. So who who knows? By the way, logistical question for you. Okay. Where the hell did the Separatists get all that Iridonium from? Like, that's a lot of Iridonium. Guess they're mining it. Were they just know. mining it on Abafar and Morak and planets like that since the beginning of the war? <laughs> Is this going to be like a Death Star thing where they're like losing millions and billions of credits once that thing actually uh, detonates and fails? Like, I mean, look, like how much, like, how many barrels can that really be? Like, in the grand scheme of things. So many barrels. It's a that... whole galaxy, though. I know, but like, There's a whole you wouldn't imagine that explosive fuel would be cheap. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't, it, uh, yeah. Uh, it's so weird. Well, I mean, um, let's see, how much, do, let's, let me, let me look up actually one thing, because I'm. Actually, I'm, I'll look up the Wikipedia page for Rhydonium. Yeah. Uh, you will mostly been mined out on Avatar. Oh, it's also on two other planets, Sarakor and Trolgaria. Interesting. Um. Oh, it's dangerous to expose skin. That's cool. Yeah, maybe because it'll explode and vaporize your skin. Your skin. That's true. Yeah. Java Rhydonium mined. Oh, it was in uh, Bad Batch and Rebels. That's cool. And apparently The Force Awakens as well. Oh, I see. The crashed Star Destroyers on Jakku that Rey goes through in The Force Awakens. Or that makes sense. That's cool. It's been all over the place, Rhydonium. What were you going to check? Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, look. The, a barrel of oil costs, what? Let's just say 70 bucks right now. Yeah. Not sure exactly. Even if this is worth like ten times that, seven hundred bucks per barrel. Like, yeah, these are the separatists. They have yeah. they have fun. They, they have, have funding. They have money. They have they, funding. They have money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. But it is a big investment to be. Sure. Yeah. Also, by the way, buzz droids. I think this is the first appearance of the buzz droid in the Clone Wars, which is crazy. We've been in five seasons of the show. 
and this is the first appearance for the buzz droid. What about the episode where uh, Ahsoka saves Anakin in the crashing ship? Does that not have buzz droids? Is that before? Uh, the downfall of a droid, is that? Downfall of a droid. I... I'm going to check. I'm going to check Maybe, it. No, I'm thinking of a wrong Jedi. That's, that's, uh, this is before that's after. that. Let's see. What was the first? Yeah, this is the first appearance of the buzz droid. Really? In the Clone Wars. Really? Wow. Yes. I can't believe, I kind of can't believe that it, it went on for that long. I without, know. Because they're so, they, they, they're, they seem they're so iconic. They're in Sith. They're in Revenge yeah. of the Sith. They're in one of the movies. And they appear in three episodes of the Clone Wars. Point of No Return, Sabotage, and The Unknown. Also, also, did you know they run like, they, you didn't know, sorry. Also, did you know they roll like droidicas? Really? That, they do that in the episode. They curl up into the ball and they roll around. Like, that's so weird. And I kind of love it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... Yeah, it's it's interesting. They do... I know. Those, I guess the Separatists are just into uh, rolling. Yeah, absolutely. I personally um, think the whole explosion thing was a little anticlimactic. Oh, how so? I don't know. I just, I, I just, I just thought the whole climax of the arc was a bit anticlimactic. To be completely honest, That's I think fair. there might have been a bit more buildup, and I just didn't like this episode that as much as the other three. But speaking of how much I like this episode and how much you like this episode, let's do our rankings, shall we? Let's do our rankings. Absolutely. Let me get my papers back so I can. All right. Okay, number four. For you, bottom. Let's go bottom. Bottom of mine would be missing an action. Bottom of mine would be point of no return. Mm, interesting. My number three, mm, I would have to say a sunny day in the void, honestly. Would number, be number three, three, secret weapons. My number three, my number two would be secret weapons. Number two, missing an action. And my number one would be point of no return. Number one, a sunny day in the void. Did we just almost have completely opposite lists? Yeah, almost, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the things that I liked about this and the things that you liked about this art kind of didn't quite match up. Absolutely, and that's fine. That's, enjoying, that's, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's I, interesting I, to see how we can both both watch it and extract. Yeah. I thought the philosophical stuff in Sunny Day in the Void was like mind blowing. Yeah, I think it was cool, but I didn't really. I didn't, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really pick up on a lot of it until until this conversation. Yeah. So thank uh, you for that. No, I, I understand. I, no, no problem. And I, I understand why you like Point of No Return. Point of No Return seems like an episode you like, honestly. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm just saying that, like, yeah, it seems like when you'd like it. It seems like when I'd be like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Um, but let's get to everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in the Galaxy. What you've brought me to die is worth one quarter portion. That's right, one quarter portion. We're doing something a little bit different. We have this month, um, where we talk about the Star Wars things we've been watching slash doing this month. Uh, James, do you want to start us off? Yes, this month I have been digging in deep to Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good. I'm getting into it. It picks up right, pretty much right where chaos rising leaves off which i think immediately from the jump makes it a much um a much more enjoyable read um 
just jumping into it, you know, a lot less of that big kind of exposition pickup time where you have to really, you know, figure out how, how it's all working and how the plot is is, is kind of fitting together, how the characters are working. Um, so yeah, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, it definitely, you get to see a really different side of Thrawn where he really is not at all a villain or even an anti-hero in this. Like he really is one of the good guys, which is very different from parts of the the Thrawn trilogy, um, the Canon Thrawn trilogy, and very, very different from what we see in Rebels. And 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 it's it's totally its own thing as well from the uh, the original um the original EU Thrawn trilogy. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm digging it. Absolutely. Um I I've read now more um I finally got into it. I finally read a bit of Light of the Jedi of uh the first novel of the High Republic. And I oh. like it. I like it a lot. Um there's the High Republic has, like Rebels, a lot gained its own sort of fandom, and I'm not sure if I'm exactly like part of that yet or something like that. I don't hate it at all. I do love the High Republic. There's a lot of stuff to like in there. I love the mostly the Jedi. Your Lone Great Storms, your Belzedifars, yeah. your Avar Chris's, your Elzar Mans. They all shine. They're cool. I like them. I know it's about to go downhill for everybody. Um, and I'm not ready to see that, so I, um, I hope I keep on that. Um, do we got anything else for this episode? That's, uh, that's about what I, that's about it for me, I think. I think that just about does it. Absolutely, okay, um, let's see. In the meantime, that's gonna be it for this episode of Star Wars and Galaxy. Thank you for listening so much. Next week, we are going to be looking into the Maul arc, um, the Maul episodes of Season 5 of Star Wars The Clone Wars. We're not going to be alone, though. We're going to be joined by Meg Dowell and Devor Mondum again, uh, and hashtag RIP to a real one, because we already uh, <laughs> have recorded that episode. Um, uh, so look out for that. It's going to be a fun time. In, uh, uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars In a Galaxy. You can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be there. Go check out the Bombadcast YouTube channel. I was on there to host a trivia match. It was a lot of fun, uh, and it was a very shocking result, uh, at least for me. Uh, and I think that's it. May the Force be with you, always.